During the past few months, we've created a new weekend tradition, which includes watching your favorite MLS team play on TV, muting the broadcast, heading over to Rabble.tv to hear my audio during the game, and then drinking a cold beverage as we spend 90 minutes together discussing our favorite league. Now Rabble.tv is taking it to the next level with a brand new redesign, as well as new apps for Android and iOS smartphones and tablets. So no matter whether you're at home or on the road, tune into this Sunday's broadcast between Orlando and Sporting Kansas City and listen to me sharing my thoughts and opinions. With Rabble, you can join in too by posting your questions or observations in the comments section. And if you have an iPhone or Android, install the Rabble TV app and add a comment to the broadcast message board, then listen live via the app. Or why don't you create your own broadcast? Call one of your team's games. It's easy. Sign up for free today and try it out. Join me this Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern for Orlando City versus Sporting Kansas City on Rabble.tv, where it's your team and your call. Welcome to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. Here's your host, Jason Davis. Good morning, everybody. Happy Tuesday. Welcome into Soccer Morning on WorldSoccerTalk.com. Here we go. We are underway. It's a big Tuesday edition of the program for you. The world of soccer does not stop. Things do not cease. In fact, it crosses over. Soccer infects life. Soccer is like a virus, but a good kind of virus, like the virus that makes people stronger. I don't know. I'm, this is all straight off the top of my head. I saw today somebody, uh, see, Corey up in New England hitting me up, letting me know that in order to avoid all of the deflate gate talk, Tom Brady has apparently said that he watched a lot of European soccer. So there it is. The, the, the greatest quarterback in the NFL. I don't like him myself, but hey, you know, he's a lot of people love the guy. Says he's watching soccer. It's, it's happening, people. It's, it's on. We are working on a couple of things for later in the show, but do know that we will talk to you absolutely 100% positive about that. Phone line's open in just a couple of minutes, more than likely, but we'll see. Let's start with some news. Obviously, tonight in New England, the United States men's national team taking on Brazil at Gillette Stadium, Foxborough, Massachusetts. ESPN 2, 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern is your broadcast start time. The USA is looking to build on the momentum from that 2-1 win against Peru on Friday night in Washington. They are all-time 1-16 and against Brazil. They have never drawn Brazil, and they've only beaten them once. And if you know your U.S. soccer history, it's the Casey Keller game. The game that inspired that song by that band called Barcelona. Uh, this is, yeah, you need, to go, you need to go check this out if you haven't. And a goal from Preki, which gives me an excuse to say, where is Preki? Guys, hashtag, where's Preki? Mexico set to face Argentina tonight at AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. That's on ESPN2 at 10.30 p.m. Eastern. Mexico comes in off of a 3-3 draw with Trinidad and Tobago. Quite a weird result for the Mexican side giving up three goals uh, to the Soccer Warriors. European qualifying results from Monday. Armenia and Denmark played to a goalless draw. Poland 8-1 over Little Gibraltar. Ireland 1-0 over Georgia. Scotland needing a point at least against Germany. Lose at home at Hampden Park 3-2. Ireland 1. Hungary 1. Sorry, Northern Ireland 1. Let me get my Ireland's right. Northern Ireland 1. Hungary 1. Romania nothing. Greece nothing. Albania nothing. Portugal 1. In that match, Portugal making hard work 
of the Albanians. Just not very good right now. European qualifying schedule for today. Macedonia and Spain. That game is at 2.45 p.m. Eastern on Fox Sports 1. Slovakia versus Ukraine. 2.45 p.m. Eastern on ESPN 3. England facing Switzerland with Wayne, Wayne Rooney looking to break the England goal-scoring record. 2.45 p.m. Eastern on ESPN 3. And Sweden versus Austria, 2.45 p.m. Eastern on Fox Sports 2. Just some highlights from the European qualifying schedule for today. Jamaica will try to overturn a 3-2 first-leg deficit against Nicaragua in a CONCACAF World Cup qualifying tie. They also have Haiti hosting Grenada with a 3-1 lead. El Salvador hosting Curaçao up 1-0. Guatemala hosting Antigua and Barbuda down a goal. And Belize hosting Canada I believe that is either 3 or 3. I think that's 3-1, right? That scoreline. I may have typed it incorrectly when I wrote up my outline for today. So Canada looking to advance. The the big one is clearly Jamaica. They lost at home to Nicaragua and now have to go on the road and try to score a couple of goals to get back uh, to where they want to be. The Australian women's national team has gone on strike ahead of a two-game U.S. tour where they're set to take on the U.S. women's national team. The uh, Professional Footballers Association of Australia is seeking an increase in the salary cap for each of the 10 A-League clubs, an increase in payments for international matches, an increase in spending on wages, air travel, accommodations, and benefits for the women's national team. So all of these things on the table for the Professional Footballers Association, which you know is interesting from the dynamic that this is a seems to be across-the-board men's and women's uh, teams tied together, players tied together in one labor organization, one un- one union. Uh, the Football Federation of Australia has uh, called out the PFA, obviously. The men's team was instructed to boycott a sp- uh, sponsored community events before a World Cup Asian qualifier in Perth last week. So this is, I-, I-, I don't have a grasp on everything happening down under, but this is extremely fascinating stuff. Clearly you have a united front in the face of uh, in the face of uh, management choosing management being the the football federation of Australia um, choosing to uh, to increase in some areas and, and and not increase in others, the FFA said it had quote unquote opened the books to show the PFA what it could afford and would continue to pursue an agreement that's sensible and protects the interest of the game. FFA has failed to recognize the significant sacrifices the Matildas players are forced to make in playing for their country, said the uh, Players Union Chief Executive. The players have sought to have their contribution to the game respected. Uh, So a big deal down in Australia and affecting the U.S. women's national team, again, who have two games scheduled uh, against the Matildas coming up. Uh, this is about the future of Australian football. We want to establish the sport as uh, football as the cho- sport of choice for Australian women, and we want to be one of the best nations in the world. Uh, the, the Aussies have some talent. We saw it at the Women's World Cup in Canada this summer, uh, progressing along as a footballing country, both on the men's and women's side, uh, is not an easy task, and it seems as though there's some disagreements on how to do so. Let's take a break. When we come back, right now it's looking like phone lines are going to be open. I hope you're ready. Hope you've got you're back at work now. You're doing your regular thing. You got no excuse. Call me up. Be right back. Facing the crowd. You're talking too loud. But I can't hear you calling. 
During the past few months, we've created a new weekend tradition, which includes watching your favorite MLS team play on TV, muting the broadcast, heading over to Rabble.tv to hear my audio during the game, and then drinking a cold beverage as we spend 90 minutes together discussing our favorite league. Now Rabble.tv is taking it to the next level with a brand new redesign, as well as new apps for Android and iOS smartphones and tablets. So no matter whether you're at home or on the road, tune into this Sunday's broadcast between Orlando and Sporting Kansas City and listen to me sharing my thoughts and opinions. With Rabble, you can join in too by posting your questions or observations in the comments section. And if you have an iPhone or Android, install the Rabble TV app and add a comment to the broadcast message board, then listen live via the app. Or why don't you create your own broadcast? Call one of your team's games. It's easy. Sign up for free today and try it out. Join me this Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern for Orlando City versus Sporting Kansas City on Ravel.tv, where it's your team and your call. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. All right, here we go. Phone lines are open. It's uh, an atypical day, but it's a good day for you to call me up and talk soccer. 646-832-3909. That song's got that, that weird glitch in it. Like it's, in, it's intentional. It's not from the recording. It's like this weird hiccup in the beat. I don't know. It throws me off every time. We've got lots to talk about. European qualifiers, U.S. men's national team against Brazil tonight, your expectations, what you're looking for, the big performances you need to see out of this team as they build towards Mexico in about a month. This Tom Brady thing, man, he watches European games, and yeah, it's a good point from Gringo Mark. Why on earth is he not watching Brazilian football? Isn't that Giselle's? Shouldn't Giselle be pushing him towards? I'm just kidding. Because I don't even know. Can you watch? Brazilian Syria on television in the United States, although it's Tom Brady. He's probably got like some super secret technology that gives him access to all of the channels of the world. Uh, you can probably turn on TV Globo or whatever's down there. Okay, so it's on Gold TV, says Trevor. So, you know, this is uh, this is this is clearly Tom Brady turning his back on the nation of his wife. I mean, really, what kind of human being would do such a thing when? He also deflated footballs clearly and should be suspended for the year. <laughs> I'm not talking NFL today. We're not doing that. 646-832-3909 is your phone number. Uh, again, the USA-Brazil batch tonight. The United States won and 16 all-time against Brazil. The one win, 1998 in the Gold Cup. You also have in the memory banks... But for uh, for games between the USA and Brazil, that 2009 Confederations Cup final, I went and read, uh, scanned, because I didn't have a lot of time, the, the very excellent, as always, preview posted at yanksarecoming.com, uh, written by Neil Blackman, our friend Neil Blackman and John Levy, and they have included in there is the highlight from probably the best counterattacking goal the United States has ever scored. Uh, Landon Donovan, second goal in that game. I watched that goal over and over and over. I know that they lost that game 3-2. to two. Brazil came out and turned on the afterburners and, and took care of business. But that goal still stands out to me as a high watermark for what U.S. soccer can be. And, uh, you know, I, I just love it. I'm in love with that goal. I, I should probably let the people in my life know. Uh, maybe my girlfriend should be aware of how head over heels in love I am with that goal. 
because it seems like it might be a problem later on. Geo in Texas, you're on the air. Hey, Jason. Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about um, tonight's friendly. Um, I have exactly one prediction because you know this this is a team that makes a huge come from behind win on Germany and then struggles to score a single goal against Haiti. Yeah. So I'm not even going to try to predict a scoreline. No. But what I think. I can say for a certainty is that Jordan Morris is going to get significant minutes tonight. Oh, uh, you think so? Okay. I mean, we saw we saw Klinsman start Bobby Wood against Peru. Are you predicting mm-hmm. that sort of level of of time? Um, possibly. I, I think that um, kind of like uh, what we saw with Matt Beasler, where he says, you know, I've seen what I need to see from Matt Beasler. He's good. He can go home kind of thing. I think we're going to see a similar thing with Jordan Morris. He need. I think Jurgen is finally doing something that we could conceivably understand, which is bring Jordan Morris in to see if he should go with the uh, U.S. senior team or if he should go to Olympic qualifying in October with the U23s. Um, well, okay, but, but I, I think, uh, uh, Gio, is that really a defensible position from Jurgen Klinsmann? I, I understand how important the Mexico game is. And I've answered on this show the question of which would be the bigger failure. I guess which is more important is ultimately the way of asking it. Uh, and clearly beating Mexico is more important. But you want the Olympics. And Jordan Morris is not a, yet a professional. And he fits more easily into the U23 team, especially as they lack forward. I know the United States senior team lacks some forward options, but you still have Josie Altador. You still have Aaron Johansson. You've got Clint Dempsey. Give me... Jordan Morris with the U23s to add some scoring punch to a side that needs it going into qualifying, and a guy, especially for a guy who has yet to become a professional player. Okay, so here's where I'm going to be a little bit less analytical and a little bit more romantic about it. Jordan Morris is the guy who scored against Mexico twice in a week in two different games. You know, he scored a goal in San Antonio um, which was very awesome for me to see personally. It was right behind the goal. Um, he scored that goal, and then he scores another one uh, with a U-20-whatevers. I don't remember, like three days later. Um, I think that, you know, the, the Mexican-U.S. rivalry has kind of died down lately, not not in its intensity, but it's, in its characters, you know, there's nobody, we, we've lost Landon Donovan now. He's not around to be Mexico's big uh, boogeyman. Um, I think this is a really cool opportunity for Jordan Morris to start that, being as how he has begun his national team senior career by doing that to Mexico in, in the space of one week. Okay, I, I guess. I mean, that's a very, very rose-colored glasses <laughs> appreciation of Jordan Morris's past, Gio. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see the positivity. But I, I, I'm also a, a pragmatic enough kind of guy to wonder if this is too much too soon for Jordan Morris, um, j- just as it may have been for, for Julian Green. I mean, different players, different mindsets, different cultural backgrounds. But come on. He's still a kid, and he's still a kid going to school, and he's still a guy who has yet to decide when he wants to be a professional player. This is the highest level. I mean, we are, I mean, we are through the looking glass. If Jordan Morris is supposed to be a centerpiece of this team in any way, shape, or form, even if it's in a short burst 
like this one. I, it's weird. Now, there I might disagree with you a little bit. Um, I think that Jordan Morris has already demonstrated a certain mental toughness, a certain sort of emotional tranquility in staying in Stanford, in not going to whatever big money club wants to get him, in not going with the Seattle Sounders before he is ready. You know, there's something to be said for his decision to not just go for the pro soccer route immediately and stick around and finish his education or whatever it is that he wants to do. Um, I think there's something to that, you know, and we see somebody with somebody like Landon Donovan who, you know, struggled with the mental aspect, the emotional aspect of the game for so many years and was our greatest, um, you know, was the greatest American player in the history of our nation or or the history of our national team, whatever you want to say it. Um, And, you know, there's there's something to be said for him having that kind of mental acuity um, when we see that lack of that from somebody like Landon Donovan now, somebody like Josie Altidore, uh, who everybody says, you know, needs confidence. Gio, Gio, I just think, I, I, I just wonder if maybe Jordan Morris is a blank state that you, a blank slate that you are projecting things onto. We don't have we don't have a lot of evidence here. This is there's not there's a very small sample size, not only for Jordan Morris with a senior national team, but in general, Jordan Morris. You not you can't judge the kid based on what he does on. St- I'm talking on the field here. I know what you're saying about his mental uh, state, and, and really, there's also this this thing that that we do as Americans, where if you stay in school, suddenly you're. Uh, you know, you're you're responsible and and you're and you're smart and you're doing the right thing. Where in 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 a, in another, I can flip this around very easily. Now he happens to come from a very solid financial background, and that's a player here. I can very easily flip this around and say Jordan Morris is missing out on developing as a professional by choosing to stay at Stanford and doing damage to his career, which isn't very smart, Gio. Hmm. I mean, you know, that's one of those things where I don't think either of us can be proven right or sure, wrong absolutely. until 10 years from now when he's either a fixture with the team or not. You're absolutely right about that. So yeah. I, I hope it's your way, but I just have to throw out the possibility <laughs> that it's not that way. So, uh, you know, I, oh, you, I, I, do, I do agree with you, though, that it's very possible we'll see Jordan Morris in significant minutes tonight. I think that's very possible. Yeah, I guess that was the thesis of my statement. Yeah. Okay. And and uh, your expect you said you don't have any you don't want to make a prediction. I'm with you on that. Uh, the preview I mentioned from the Yanks are coming have four two Brazil, and I think that's just based on the fact that you know we have a lot of instability in the back line at the very least, and that's going to lead to a place where Brazil, even if they aren't the Brazil of old, even if they've been bad by their standards for the for better part of a year, two years, they're still able to punish you in a way. Uh, that the United States hasn't seen in a while. Definitely, I was afraid of Peru, so I'm a, I'm a little afraid of Brazil tonight. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll let's hope for the best, Gio. <laughs> if Jordan Morris gets on the field, I hope he plays amazing soccer and continues to build on the momentum he already has. And again, I think <clears throat> I'm already worried about the U23 team. Sure. I don't. I don't think it's the right decision to keep him. Now we don't know what's going to happen. But I don't think it would be the right decision to keep him with the senior team for Mexico when he has a possible he has a chance to be a, a centerpiece of the U twenty three team and be their scoring punch. Whereas even if you take him to the Rose Bowl, you're not starting him against Mexico in front of ninety five thousand people. I hope you're not. I, well, I really let hope me ask not. you this because I actually don't know this. If he misses out on qualification, can he still participate in the tournament itself? Yes. Yes. Yeah. 
Okay. You, you, you're well, not, that gives me a little bit of peace of mind there. You're not beholden to using the same players. In fact, if they had qualified in 2012, that would have been a very different team that went to the Olympics than what sure. qualified. And that, But that's the thing. They didn't go, get over that hurdle the last time. So you're looking for that mm. step to be made. Based on what I saw against England last week, I just don't know where their I just don't know where their I don't know where their goal score is. I don't know where the guy who's going to put the ball in the back of the net is. And that's and if nothing else, Jordan Morris has proven he can do that against competition in the right setting. And and I think U twenty threes against countries that you know aren't shouldn't pose a gigantic risk. Certainly don't play this the type of soccer that we see uh, Mexico or Brazil playing. He would be good for that environment. That's but you know sure. again, again I'm not the one making the decisions and and. We know what the priority is. The priority is beat Mexico. If Klinsman sees Jordan mm. Morris as one of his best 23 players, man, that's something interesting. <laughs> that's just something interesting. You got anything else, Gio? Uh, no, man. Have a good show. I appreciate it, Gio. In uh, San Antonio, dropping in. You need to drop in. 646-832-3909 is your phone number on a Tuesday. We are here for as long as you want us here. Again, we were working on a couple things that have not come together on a, on a Tuesday. It's tough. You know what it is? It's tough out of a holiday weekend. Everybody went on vacation, and then they got back, and they're just not back in the swing of things. Well, I did a show yesterday. Thankfully, Peter McVitie is based in the Netherlands, and he's not American, so he didn't have a holiday. And he came on and did an excellent job talking about the Dutch national team. Um, but everybody, Trevor tried to put together a, a guest list for this show and for our Sirius XM show and got nothing. Nothing, literally nothing. So this has been this has been a last the last couple of days have been uh, <clears throat> tough on that front. So that's why I need your help. That's why I need you to jump in six four six eight three two thirty nine thirty nine zero nine. Or <clears throat> if not, if you don't jump in and talk about soccer, uh, based on what I'm seeing here, it's a good possibility my girlfriend's going to call in and yell at me about saying I'm in love with a goal. So. Here we go. United States-Brazil tonight, that's on your mind. There's Jordan Morris to consider, certainly, but also Josie Outdoor. Also that back line. Also the midfield. We're, are we going to see a double pivot with Jermaine Jones and Michael Bradley? Are they going to be able to step directly into a game against a team that's going to hold, the mo- hold more possession and be effective? Figure out their balance in the midfield. That's a big, uh, a big question for how the United States plays tonight. But again, uh, oh, Josie Outdoor building some confidence at, off that Peruvian, uh, Peru game. And, uh, you know, I've listened to a couple of conversations this morning on the radio about Josie, about his confidence level, about what he does for this team. And he is, in terms of a goal scoring, a very streaky guy. He's either on and he's putting him in the net and it's coming pretty easily to him, or he's not. And it's bone dry. And he is a man in the desert with no water. But he still does a lot of things for this team that don't get recognized. Uh, it's this is a, a situation where, as a striker, your goal is your 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 job is to score goals first. But there's other elements to the game that are necessary from a striker, and we just miss those sometimes. We don't pay attention. You you can't watch a game on television and pick up on all of that nuance. And you have to consider how the team is being asked to play, how that striker is being asked to play, and whether or not his effort level matches those things. I don't think that means you give a pass to somebody who doesn't put in the effort. But you also have to consider what the wider game plan is. Uh, Liga Bow on Twitter. 
Josie is still not convincing to me in spite of his two goals. I'm, am I just a hater or are other U.S. soccer fans concerned about him? A lot of people are concerned. A lot of people are. Let's go to Bill in New York. What's going on, man? Hey, Jason. What's going on? I was going to talk about the uh, MLS playing through the international break. Yes, sir. And before this weekend, I was always one of those guys saying, I don't mind them playing through the international break. Because I'd rather have a full crowd and then have some young players out there that play on a Wednesday night in a half-empty crowd. Okay. Okay. But okay. Sunday's game, I watched, I watched the Dallas-Columbus game, and that game was just missing so much. Yeah. You know, that could have been with Kamala out and with Fabian Castillo for Dallas out. That was just a totally different game than what it would have been if they would have had those two guys there that weekend. I, I agree with you. I mean, it was that's the thing. This is what MLS does, Bill. It gives us the good and the bad in the same dose. I mean, in the same plate of soccer, we get stuff that's really great, like five homegrown players starting for FC Dallas, like an average age of 23 on that side of the field. And then it gives us the bad, the missing pieces for Columbus that might have changed that game for them. Uh, the lack of Fabian Castillo, who is you know, a top 10 player on his day in this league, that you want in the stretch. I mean, Bill, it's a timing too, right? It's about the fact that these teams are trying to either make them make themselves a playoff team or or consolidate their position and and, and jockey for those seedings. Um, and it's maddening to me. And we, as 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 big picture soccer guys, we can go well. Yeah, it's good that the young kids get to play. It's young. It's good that they get to go out there in front of a big crowd. But if you're Joe Blow and you pick that game to go, you've gone to three games all year, it's Labor Day weekend, you, you go to that game, how do you feel about that? When you find out that this is not even close to Columbus's best team, I, I think that that's a tra- I think that's bad. I think that's, I think that's bad on MLS's part. And again, you know, people always make the, the argument, well, you know, Brazil plays through the break. Okay, well, first of all, you know, the number of internationals that are playing in the Brazilian league, I don't know that that meets the same. It's 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 MLS isn't a better league than Brazil, but there's so many internationals because of the way Concacaf has been mined, because of the Americans that have come back. I I just MLS wants to be big, and I think taking the break is is a big move. And look, I understand MLS's problem. I mean, there's a lot of games, and you have to get these games in somehow. But the the thing that kills me with MLS. Is I think it was the second or third week of the season, and Red Bulls had a bye. Why would you have a bye? Yeah. There should never be a bye weekend in MLS anymore, especially with an even number of teams. You know, it, they have to play every weekend. And when an international break comes, and now you can say, all right, now you can take your bye. Everybody's off this weekend. You know, I, I don't understand that part of MLS when there's weekends where teams just don't play. I, I'm always willing. You know, I'm always willing to give MLS the I, benefit of the doubt on scheduling, Bill, because I think it's probably pretty hard. Um, but there are there are people out there who will tell you that they could work a balanced schedule, that if they wanted to, and the travel wouldn't be any more than it is right now. the The issue, of course, is what the owners want and how the owners perceive their business and they perceive their business as being a weekend business and a weekend business that needs that needs certain dates again it's labor day weekend that that's a reason to play games right because it's the end of the summer what are you doing with your entertainment dollar okay maybe we'll go see a soccer match to close out the summer before the kids go back to school i mean 
there are that stuff that, those priorities run counter to everything that comes out of the mouth of somebody like Don Garber who says we want to be a top league in the world or we will be or whatever by 2022 it always comes back to me don't say those things if you aren't willing to act in a in a manner that proves you're going in that direction yeah see and I'm I'm one of those guys I'm not for a bound schedule I mean I want to play New York City three times. I want to play Philly three times. I, I don't want to play Colorado two or three times. You know, so I, I like that the way they do the schedule where we play the East Coast teams more than the West. I, I understand. That makes sense. I, I like that. Okay. I just don't get when we're in our own stadiums now, and I understand in the past where you had to work out the schedule with other teams and football teams and everything else. For the most part, we don't have to worry about that. We, we should never have a bye weekend. There should never be a bye weekend for any of these teams. They can work out the schedule where they don't have to be off a weekend, the second or third weekend in the season, yeah. too, especially. Yeah. Uh, well, if, if you're, if you're, got, if you're not going to take the breaks, having bye weekends is, is ridiculous, especially when the complaint is we don't want midweek games, right? I mean, how can you have it both ways? Because midweek games are supposedly attendance killers, and a lot of places they are. And right now, MLS is still a league that turns more on the gate than it does on any other revenue stream. And that's when that dynamic starts to change. And I think we've already seen the first, uh, the first move in that direction with this recent television contract. But until that starts to change and there are other drivers of revenue outside of how many people come in your door, that's when things will maybe change on this front. Yep. And Jason, with yesterday's show, I hope you're not getting burnt out. Why? I give you a break once in a while. I couldn't <laughs> believe when I heard the show on yesterday. Well, you know what? We did a show here because Sirius XM wasn't taking the holiday, which is fine. I mean, I, you know, I'm lucky to have that gig, Bill, so I'm 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 fine with it. And you know, I wasn't going to show up to the to the studio and do a, a a satellite radio show and not provide this one for people who don't subscribe to Sirius XM. We want to try to balance things out. In fact, there's uh, you know, we're we're working on here in this space, and today was going to be one of those days, uh, but it hasn't worked out where we want to be able to focus on some MLS and national team and U.S. soccer topics because this has turned into a little too Euro-heavy sometimes. So, you know, just to pull the curtain back. So we're working on that. We have the call-in segments. I mean, we want to be able to – we want to be here when people need us, Bill. And we appreciate it. Thanks, Jason. All right, cool. Thanks a lot, Bill. Appreciate it. All right, 646-832-3909 is your phone number. I saw somebody calling up who wanted to talk about Soccer United Marketing and MLS. That sounded intriguing. What happened to that guy? Call back. Get back in here. 646-832-3909. All right. So, where are we? We could talk about Tom Brady some more. We could talk about the U.S. Men's National. Will Tom Brady be in attendance tonight at at Gillette? I mean, what excuse does he have for not going, right? He should be there. We're going to get a, sh- a crowd shot of uh, Tom Brady. You know this is a big U.S. game. I know it's really kind of not. It's friendly. But you know it's a quote-unquote big U.S. game when they bring Ian Dark over. To call it. So it's Ian Dark and Taylor Twelman on the call tonight from Foxborough. We'll um we'll see what happens. Again, I don't know that there's anything. It's the this includes the result from the Peru game. Anything that can happen over these two matches is gonna give me the belief that things are just fine and dandy heading into Mexico. They still have plenty of issues to work out. They can take a step forward, but it will be to be determined. What kind of team we have until they play Mexico? Jerry, Rhode Island, you're on the air. Hi, Jason. Um, yeah, I didn't still want to beat a dead horse. I didn't know the guy before me was going to 
call in about the same thing. But uh, I was going to talk about the international window. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Um, so I few things I was wondering, like I saw online some people saying, like, well, you know, why don't we just start the you know the season a little bit a couple of weeks earlier in February, where the like the warm weather you know, locations will have a couple of games, like the, you know, East Coast teams will have away games. And then in the summer, you know, I guess we'll have more games in the summer for the East Coast teams or something like that. You know, the cold weather, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, area. So I, I, I was thinking maybe they could, could consider that, but I'm sure there's some kind of logistical problem for that. Well, I mean, well. Think, this, um, is, like, this is the problem, right? So yeah. if you're if you're uh, one of the, the more temperate climate teams if you're la if you're dallas if you're atlanta coming in a couple years do you want your do you want a bunch of home games in march and april or are you you know yeah it's going to be hot in the summer but you're going to have better this is still again this is still a league that turns on its gate and the gate it gets better in the summer when the kids are out of school i mean we want to talk about supporters groups and a diehard fan support and, and that rising and it is but this is still a league that needs those families out there, Jerry. So as an MLS, if you're the MLS owner or a representative sitting at a table and they pitch you on the idea, let's start the season a couple weeks earlier. We'll rotate through the, the southern and temperate climate teams to get this done so we can take these international breaks. You're like, hold on, wait a second. I'm going to lose X thousands of dollars from this match or that match because and, and you've also front loaded my schedule. So now I'm playing a bunch of road games down the stretch of the season when I need points to get into the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, that's true. They'd, they'd have to, they'd have to really uh, get the owners to figure out a way to make it. Yeah, work I mean, look, it, 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 it's not even. I'm not even saying that there isn't. Uh, yeah, we, we've obviously got some some issues in the schedule that are clear. I mean, San Jose's got six of their last eight at home. There's that's that's a weird thing that has nothing to do with uh, uh, with any uh, real reason outside of just a quirk of the schedule, I guess. I mean. And I'm not even saying yeah. it's a it's a legitimate argument every single time out. I'm just g- giving you an impression of what the owners are going to bitch about, because the owners are yeah, going to bitch. You're right. Yeah. But also, you think about it too. It's I mean, if we we did start it a little bit earlier, so like maybe just at least two weeks earlier, like you know mid February with the with the warm weather climates. Um, you think that might make a difference for CCL? You know, give the teams a couple of reps. You know, because the CTL teams are coming out cold out of preseason. Yeah. And they're always, you know, a lot of them have a hard time, you know, getting through Mexican clubs who are like, you know, still like in, in prime form. Yeah, we, we, that time, we've had know, so. we've had some schedule creep. Um, they, they've moved the start of the season back. I mean, it has it has yeah. it has moved over the years. Don't act like people shouldn't yeah. act like they haven't already made that adjustment on some level. Yeah, but obviously, we also April, so, we yeah. also have the we also have the schedule creep on the other end. I mean, we're into December now. For the MLS Cup final. Now that only, you know, you're only dealing with two teams playing that long of a season. You're only dealing with four teams playing into late November. You're only dealing with eight teams playing into mid November, et cetera, et cetera. But, mm-hmm. you know, as MLS grows, these things are going to become more of an. I mean, when you're at, they're, they're going to get to 24 teams, they're going to get to 26 teams. When you do that, yeah. how do you handle all of these elements? How do you make it? I mean, you're adding games to your schedule. Now you and again, they're going to add Minnesota. So essentially, we're saying that Minnesota can't play at home until what May? Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, seriously, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there. As much as I bitch about the international window, and I do think this is reflects poorly on MLS, and I think that perception matters, and they should be conscious of this. I do recognize that 
from a logistical standpoint, this is a friggin' nightmare. It's a friggin' nightmare. Yeah. It's a big country with it's a big two countries. It's a big two countries yeah. with very divergent weather, weather situations with um you know so much travel involved. I mean, I, I actually saw something on Reddit the other day. Somebody put together a graphic of the n- amount of 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 uh, miles that teams put in. Montreal's yeah. tra- Mon- Montreal's average trip is something like 1200 miles. Mm. That's that's <laughs> That's average. That's that's not like that's not like uh like, well they, you know ah, man it's crazy. Uh, Jerry, you got anything else? Yeah, well, uh, one last thing I'm, I have to say about it. I just wanted to um you know give you the opportunity to put your tin foil hat on for a second. Um, I, I was just getting a wild uh, idea that what if kind of they were thinking like playing through these international windows um, was kind of like just part of the plan. Cause I was thinking like, do you remember a couple of years back when Garber got in some trouble with fans when he said there was too much soccer on TV? Um, <laughs> yeah. Did you remember that? yeah, 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 it is. Uh, yeah. It was back in a couple of years. I feel it was like 2013 or something like that. He's like, Oh, there's too much soccer on TV. And people got all mad, mad with him about it. Cause he was talking about the premier league and all that stuff coming in. Me, I was thinking maybe the wild thing, maybe they kind of want it this way to kind of like just have a, corner of the market for a bit like oh yeah I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's part of the thinking jerry i wouldn't be surprised at all if that's part of the strategic stuff that that mls goes through i i, I just again i don't know i i don't know yeah, if it's the wisest thing i don't know if it's the wisest thing that's why i said it was crazy but you know you never know <laughs> yeah i like that though i, I and i'm a big I, I love bring me your conspiracy thanks for the call jerry bring me your conspiracy theories dump them right here in my lap and we'll deal with them we're still working on putting together the post-to-post AM show, which is going to cover soccer conspiracy. I feel like I feel like I should wear sunglasses the whole time I do that show. Brian, you're on the air. What's up? Yeah, hey, Jason. I think you know anyone who's an MLS fan probably has some kind of tinfoil hat on these days. I don't know anyone that follows the league that doesn't think that there's weird inner workings, right? Sure. Yeah, but it's it's you know it's all about levels, Brian. Because once you cross this certain threshold that goes beyond, look. You know, this is a league that operates for their best interest. That's your first. That should be your first conclusion. Then you can build off of that. And yeah, sometimes they do wacky things. But the you know, it goes beyond that. The, the any notion that flips that dynamic on its head and suggests that MLS exists to hold soccer down, which is a real thought process that people have gone through. Ah, uh, you know, that's where you lose me. <laughs> Right. Well, saying that now, I'm putting my tinfoil head on. Um, I was called earlier, and then it sounded like you were already talking about the international breaks, but I was thinking about how MLS has this relationship with um, Soccer United Marketing and how, like, during these international breaks, they're actually making quite an amount of money on uh, these, like, friendlies against Brazil or in Mexico. Yeah. Um, so they're kind of double-dipping by playing, like, inferior squads on the same weekends that they're also getting sort of a an amount of money for these these uh, internationals. So I just think that's strange that both are going on and they're both, um, you know, revenue makers. That's, uh, I mean, it, it's, it's, I mean, that's certainly the case. Whether it speaks to any sort of motives, I, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, the goal of, again, you know, the baseline conclusion, MLS acts in its best interest, Soccer United acts in the best interest of making money for MLS owners, for investment in the game. So if, they have the opportunity to double dip like that, then yeah, I guess I guess that may be an expl- part of the explanation. And I, I, it is. It's about money. I mean, this is about money. It's mm-hmm. about refusing to lose a summer date 
where you can get 20,000 people in the door in the best places or 40 in, in, in Seattle or whatever, um, because that's still a, a, a that's still the largest portion of your revenue by by a lot. I mean, by it, yeah. it, you know whatever whatever we want to make of this this TV contract and hooray ninety million dollars a year. It's nothing spread across twenty teams. It's nothing, right? So I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. Just my two cents, but yeah, I, I appreciate your thoughts. Yeah, I wish I'm with you. And you know, uh, one of the one of my favorite conspiracy theories. Brian relates to Soccer United marketing and MLS, and it's the it's the notion that MLS and Soccer United marketing, and certainly U.S. Soccer, and perhaps even the Clintons had a role in pushing the FBI to investigate traffic sports so that they could take down traffic sports, eliminate uh, or or damage a competitor because traffic was part of the driving force behind the NASL. That's one of my favorite ones. That this was all a orchestrated thing between the powers that be in, in American soccer uh, to, to go out, to use, the, to use the Department of Justice as a tool in the soccer wars. That's my favorite. I like it. it did you incorporate the Clintons there, too? Yeah, I did. The like, Clintons. No good conspiracy yeah. uh, you know, doesn't ex- uh, include at least one Clinton. So. <laughs> You've got to have a Clinton in there. Thanks for the call, Brian. You've got to have a Clinton in there. I th- I think I mean I don't know I, <laughs> I I love that stuff I mean you know keep your if you want to believe in some conspiracies okay fine but keep them within the realm of legitimate possibility I don't think that the Department of Justice is being used as a tool in a, co- a competitive environment of soccer if there was a tip given okay maybe I don't know who who's got that tip this is one of my favorite things. Uh, we can talk about that. 646-832-3909. Jose says that we that they need a team in Anchorage if the Miami thing falls apart. Yeah, that'd be a Anchorage wouldn't be tough to schedule around. What's the population of Anchorage? It's pretty small, right? It can't be large. It can't be large. Uh, you know, again, MLS wants a national footprint. MLS wants to be a national league. Part of the reason for that is because it does help with television. But when you are a national league and you've got Canada involved as well and you have conflicts with the international break and playing through the winter seems to be a non-starter. There are lots of reasons to argue for a a switch of the schedule, but right now it doesn't seem like that's on the table. If that's all these things are coming together, it's going to create these painful things that we have to deal with. And again, the international window coming around and MLS teams playing during the stretch run of the season with weak teams is not good for the sport in my mind. And I think, you know, it, it, it's all about cost benefit. You're doing an analysis. You you know you're going to take a hit somewhere. You know that it's not going to be there's never going to be a solution that all parties are going to be on board with. This has got to be compromised. And in my mind, this one, the weight is on don't play. That's for me. International break, take the break. That's where the weight is for me. Uh, just a, a quick hit on TV ratings since we're talking about that stuff. Um, we've got a there's a post over at uh, World Soccer Talk dated a couple days ago um, uh, that uh, notes that the August ratings for MLS uh, were up significantly. Uh, this is actually referencing our friend Jonathan Tannewald. By the way, he, we need to get John on the show. I gotta talk to John. I think there's some things going on over there. At the beginning of August, Philly.com soccer reporter Jonathan Tannewald heralded the great expectations for MLS games that were scheduled to be televised that month in, on ESPN. 
As Tannenwald noted, which was key, the four MLS games would be on the ESPN mothership, the main channel, instead of relegated to the more soccer-friendly ESPN2. As it happened, only three of the next four games were shown on ESPN, but the three MLS games on ESPN got a big boost. Here are the viewing figures. LA Galaxy Seattle Sounders on August 9th, 549,000 viewers. August 23rd, Galaxy vs. NYCFC, 452,000 viewers. August 30th, Sounders and Timbers, 430,000 viewers. The viewing figures were far greater than was customary for MLS games. So what was the difference? In the LA game, you got Giovanni Dos Santos. Obviously, LA Galaxy, NYCFC, lots of star power, uh, lots of money on the field. There you go. Seattle Sounders, Portland Timbers, that's a rivalry that sells. So we're seeing progress, and I advocate for patience in these areas. I, MLS is going to do and make their tweaks to try to help along the television range. But as a soccer public who knows that revenue and increase in spending comes through those channels, we've got to be patient about the growth of MLS on television. Al in Missouri, you're on the air. Hey, what's going on, Jason? How are you doing this morning? I'm doing well, sir. What's on well, your mind? Well, you know, everybody's talking about, you know, expansion and growth and everything else, and I guess I'm going to be going on, becoming a broken arrow, broken on record over this. I think St. Louis would be a good destination for Major League okay. Soccer. Right. And but, but Al, but Al very, let's go through the checklist yeah. very, let's do the checklist very quickly on St. Louis. What do you need in order to be a player in the Major League expansion, Major League Soccer expansion race? What do you need to get in the conversation? You need... Well, money. You, you need, need a big. You, you need an you owner money. with cash, right? Right. Yeah. Do they have one? Well, they have an ownership, you know, with you know Dave Peacock is trying to bring his um, major league soccer team. But what's going to be the dilemma for the city of St. Louis is that this is the city. Basically, I've been hearing it's a three city, is a three major city um, sports town. Will the Rams, if the Rams leave St. Louis, you know, then, you know, that's going to leave an opening for a major league soccer team in St. Louis. Hello? Yeah, I'm sorry. Was that the end of the sentence? <laughs> you just kind of drifted off there. Um, so, do you, so, so you think it's about room? Yeah, I think it's going to be about, I think there's a good possibility it's going to be about room for St. Louis is whether if the Rams stay in St. Louis, you know, does now, that then like, mean that we won't get a major league soccer team at all? Or yeah. if the Rams leave, do you know, do we does that yeah. leave the open of a major league soccer team? I, I I don't I haven't been paying that close of attention to what's going on in, in all of that stuff and I know LA is still out there, uh, but I, I, I don't know that the Rams are likely to move. And if the Rams don't move, you're saying that soccer either doesn't work or there won't be an appetite for it? Well, it it wouldn't be it wouldn't it would be a problem for the city of St. Louis because, like I said, it's not a big city like it was, you know, maybe 30 years ago mm-hmm. and everything. that they can hold four city, four franchises. Yeah, I mean, obviously you've got, you've got the Blues, you've got the Rams, and you've got the Cardinals right now. Um, you, add a, right. you add a fourth professional uh, team to that, to that environment, yeah, you're probably stretching things a little bit in terms of what's available in the market. Uh, and it's also about attention. I think that MLS has been somewhat strategic in where they've gone based on trying to build and, and carve out a niche for attention. Part of the reason Orlando was attractive isn't just that they went and spent two years in USL getting big crowds. It's because there was the political will to build the stadium 
and because they knew that they could walk into that market and be a big deal alongside college football, the Orlando Magic. That was an opportunity for them. I mean, there's, they could fill up their sports pages with uh, updates on the Rays, but who, who really cares? It's Orlando. It's not Tampa. So there's, there's, right. ro- there's, as you said, there's room there. Atlanta actually goes off. Atlanta and New York are different. They go off the path a little bit, especially Atlanta, uh, because they're, you know, that's a different kind of town. Uh, I think that Atlanta is is about the television market. So we're, we're seeing, and, and St. Louis, I mean, Garber's made noise about the Midwest. So I think St. Louis is in play. I just don't know where their momentum yeah. is right now, Al, because I haven't seen, I haven't seen a very concrete plan to build a stadium. I haven't seen a name or two or three mentioned as the possible owners. If they if they're out there, that's great. But they're certainly not drawing attention right now. Right, and this comes back to the question, you know, if St. Louis have plans to build a new stadium, mainly for trying to try to get an NFL team. Yeah. And everything. Yeah, and you don't want as but, MLS, you don't want to be second fiddle. You don't want to be the redheaded stepchild who is only there because it helps sell the notion of building a new stadium. Oh, we can also fill dates with MLS. I don't like I, right. I I'm not a big fan of Atlanta. Uh, having their team play in an NFL building, even if you you bring it down the capacity and try to make it, I, I'm just not a big fan of that. I, I think Atlanta makes a lot of sense, but that that's that part bothers me. I would have been completely against the notion of the Vikings ownership being involved in MLS and putting that team in a, in the Vikings stadium. So I don't want MLS to return to this situation, even if it's more level than it used to be with NFL stadiums. Even if they're making considerations for the soccer team, you need your own venue. That's what makes the sport a major league sport. The fact that they that somebody is willing, whether it's private funding or public funding, and we know that's hard, somebody's willing to put up millions of dollars, a hundred million dollars and more to build a venue that is the best stage for the sport possible. Exactly. Exactly. Because, you know, I was figuring, you know, that Turner Field up in Atlanta that you know, would have been available for the uh, for the Atlanta United system building a new baseball stadium up in Cobb County, Georgia, and everything yeah. else. But yeah, I want. I mean, you know, I, I guess you can't retrofit Turner Field. I guess that's not a thing anybody wants to do. I don't know what they're going to do with Turner Field. To be honest with you. Yeah. All right. Then. Thank you. Appreciate it, Al. Look, I, I love All St. Right. Louis as a, as a possibility. I love the idea of St. Louis as a major league soccer town. The the history available to soccer fans from St. Louis makes it an extremely attractive place. I mean, imagine, uh, you know, imagine some of the names, some of the people who been, have been involved in American soccer over the years um, being there and being part of that effort. I mean, uh, I, I'm trying, let me, let me see if I can pull up the wiki. I mean, obviously off the top of my head, I know Taylor Twelman is from, uh, from St. Louis. I believe we've got, um, uh, one of his former teammates, who I'm, I'm my, my Steve Ralston, I think is is from St. Louis. There are a lot of, and obviously going way back, even beyond uh, beyond uh, those two more modern individuals. There's a lot of people uh, who who contributed to the early days of American soccer who were from St. Louis. I mean, the the 1950 team that beat England, that team was built on players from St. Louis and Philadelphia. Uh, you've got Chris Klein, Steve Ralston, Brad Davis, Tim Ream, Taylor Twelman, Jack Dewsbury. That's that's just sort of the the contemporary guys. If you go back into, uh, you obviously have the the St. Louis Billikens uh, soccer program, which has been 
uh, one of the better ones over the course of history. Um, you've got, uh, you know, you've got a bunch of former uh, U.S. Open Cup champions who came out of St. Louis. There's uh, so much there that can be mined, that can be can add legitimacy to MLS because you're not just throwing something up against the wall, starting from scratch, cr- trying to create a new soccer, you know, uh, in a, a new, I don't even know what the word I'm looking for here, here is, but you know what I'm saying? There's, there's stuff to build on. There's a, there's something to lean on when it comes to St. Louis. I, I'd love for that to happen. I've actually never been to St. Louis myself. Is it a nice town? I don't know. There's obviously, it's been in the news for long, for the wrong reasons. And they've got baseball and stuff. All right. Uh, let's see. Phone lines are still open. 646-832-3909. We'll stick around for a couple more minutes for you to get in your phone calls. Again, we're, we're talking about USA Brazil tonight. Your expectations, what you're looking for. We want to see Josie Outdoor continue his good form. That midfield pairing, I think it's likely to be Jones and Bradley. We'll see how that works out. At one point, I mean, consider this. Remember, at one point, it looked like Jermaine Jones as a starting central midfielder was something relegated to the past that Jurgen Klinsmann was looking to transition Jermaine Jones, perhaps even into a center back role as he tried to bridge a gap, which uh, why there's a gap is a, is a very different question altogether. Um, you, uh, you, you're, you're also talking about that, that back line and, and who's going to start there and play there and whether or not you're going to get some sort of continuity out of that group. Matt Beasler came on and played well in the game against Peru. Tim Ream played well at left back, but isn't going to get forward, isn't going to help you create uh, space and opportunities up into the attacking third. Same goes with Jeff Cameron on the right. Will we see a natural fullback in those uh, in one of those positions? Are we going to see... What are we going to see out of Brad Guzan? I think one of the underrated elements of this two-game friendly set for the U.S. is the performance of Brad Guzan, because my argument is... As long as Brad Guzan is not making egregious errors, as long as Brad Guzan looks solid in net and can't be outright blamed for anything that happens in terms of goals, that helps to tamp down some of the controversy, whatever that may be, over Tim Howard being second choice right now. As long as this is very much the quarterback-backup-quarterback dynamic. If the, if the quarterback plays well, nobody cares about the backup quarterback. If the, if the quarterback starts to struggle, has some bad games, throws up a howler or two, now everybody's favorite guy is the backup. And that's something, with Tim Howard being as good as Tim Howard is, with him having the history and the team that he has, what Jurgen Klinsmann wants to avoid is controversy and drama and chatter around who his number one is. That's just going to cause more problems than you can handle ahead of Mexico in uh in in less than well it's a little bit more than a month now in about a month's time and what would the crowd be like tonight anybody got a report on how many tickets have been sold for this game brazil's a big draw this is a game that is meant as a warm-up but also meant as a money maker and last i heard they'd only sold twenty four thousand tickets in a building as large as gillette stadium that's not good that's kind of crap actually and Brazil's got their talent. They've still got talent in that team. Hulk will be there, obviously. Um, oh, that's just going to bother me there. Let me get rid of that. Um, obviously. Okay. Sorry about that. Uh, noise is coming from my computer. Obviously, um, Neymar's in this team. Neymar, uh, who is a world superstar without a... Pro- Does Neymar have a profile here? 
I mean, how you have to go well above and well beyond the standard international superstar level to be a big deal in the United States in terms of crossover. I'm not sure. You know, I, I live in a bubble. This is this this square that you see me in right here, or rectangle. It's a rectangle, right? <laughs> it's not a square. I learned shapes. This rectangle is a bubble, and I live inside the bubble. And inside my bubble, Cristiano Ronaldo, Lionel Messi are massively huge superstars who uh, everybody knows, because my bubble includes mostly soccer fans. But what what is going on over here outside of the bubble? Is Messi? crossing over is Ronaldo crossing over is Neymar crossing over I don't think he I don't think they are right I, I don't think Neymar's crossing over maybe those other two guys have made that transition although it, it would help it would help Messi in this country if he was the kind of guy who spoke English I'm not saying he has to but that is obviously part of the reason he might not be as big as he could be Ronaldo good-looking guy incredible player speaks some English as an American kid, I, th- I think he could probably be a much bigger deal here. And maybe he ends up playing here one day. We've already started to hear those rumors, right? Also rumors of PSG offering something like $150 million to Real Madrid for Ronaldo. That, I don't, do you believe that, really? I mean, just, and, and the funny thing about that, I mean, if you, even if you don't believe it, it doesn't mean that the guys at PSG can't just stroke a check. 100, 100, how much? Oh, $150 million. Yeah, here you go. Drop in the bucket. Absolute drop in the bucket. All right. Let's wrap up a Tuesday edition of Soccer Morning on WorldSoccerTalk.com. Thank you very much for partaking in the program today. Enjoy the match tonight. USA-Brazil from Foxborough. That's 8 o'clock Eastern on ESPN2. Ian Dark, Taylor Twelman on the call. We also have Mexico and Argentina if you're one of those night owls like me who's going to stay up and watch some more soccer. Lots to uh, consider coming out of these friendlies for the United States heading into the Mexico game. All right, that's it. Go to uh, backheel.com slash store. Buy a t-shirt. Well, actually, hold on to that. Okay, I'm not going to tell you to do that right now. We're going to check on some things. Then maybe we'll come back to that. Uh, but we do have uh, we do have plenty of cool content over at backheel.com. You should obviously be reading worldsoccertalk.com. Again, where I got those Ratings for the MLS August today. All right, that's it. We're out. Thanks to producer Trevor, as always. He's a secret anarchist. I'm not going to tell you that in public, but just believe me when I say it. All right, see you later, guys. Bye. Did my invitations disappear? What I put my heart on it?